Amen. So we're going we're gonna to focus just with what little time we have here tonight on um, the secret place. We hit this in prayer in the, um, in the main meeting. And so if you are got your Bibles, you can turn, if you will, to Matthew chapter 6. I'm just going to look at a few words uh, that Jesus said about this. And then Kenny's going to come and testify to it. And then we're going to pray for you. Um, we love ministry and mission. And we love public uh, mission, ministry and all that can happen in that place. But arguably the missing link to the quality of these kinds of meetings and the quality of our lives and marriages is the lack of the people of God meeting with God alone, without any bells and whistles, without any sounds, without any power systems, just meeting with him and, and doing it. And so like if I said this, I thought about doing it, I don't know, it's such a cheesy pastor thing, but if I said, you know, how you doing? This, I stink at my secret closet time, I'm doing pretty good, I'm great. You know, I kind of wonder where your thumb would be in that, you know, Gabby, that was kind of north of, of average. That's great. So we, uh, I don't, you know, only the Holy Spirit can gauge what that is, and I don't want to present some legalistic thing. But I would say this. I think this is, as we say house churches, I think the Lord's going smaller than bigger in these last days. And the smallest micro moment is every individual that actually meets with God, can feast upon the word, can talk to him, can break through the boredom, break through the busyness, and come out of the place of uh, prayer, uh, releasing the presence of God wherever they go. So, I, I talked last week about the Pentagon of Prayer. We had this little thing that we got made up for us and gave the five branches of this thing. And they were secret place prayer, congregational prayer, and grassroots prayer. And then day and night prayer and strategic mission prayer. I don't know if we have, there they are there. The secret place prayer grassroots prayer and congregational prayer, everything on the, is that the east side, are the three main things that we want to really work on. They're the bread and butter, if you will, personal meeting, churches that pray together, and then grassroots prayer, we mean by that homeschool work. So we're really focused in on these things and helping people start these kind of prayer meetings, have these kinds of vibrant prayer lives. The specialty missions are strategic mission prayer. That's what Tom and James and the Wallace boys are doing. We got teams on Broadway. We got teams, you know how it's happening. City prayers are within that, I think, um, are going for 100,000 in the state. That's strategic mission prayer. And then day and night prayer is kind of like the house. And so we love those, but I just wanted to emphasize that these three bread and butter are the secret place prayer, congregation prayer, and grassroots prayer. And so to do this, I think we take it for granted that we come up here and just tell people or we bemoan no one meets with God alone and we really need to be equipped, inspired, have something in our hearts that can stand against Satan and stand against um, the flesh that wars against this um, in a crazy way. So um, by secret place prayer, we mean to inspire and equip disciples of Jesus to develop a strong private prayer life. Jesus told his disciples to go into the secret place to pray their father in Matthew chapter 6. So I guess I would ask everybody, and I went off on this last week, because I'm not sure public meetings um, are in an interesting way not needed by me for my walk with Jesus, but are a supplement to me because I come into public meetings already satisfied. And I do that because today, by the grace of God, I got to be alone with Jesus. I got to break into a secret place and use my Bible and talk to the Lord and listen to him. And I worshiped without any instruments around and honored him. And so when I come into this, if that makes sense, 
it makes this really different. There's so many people coming into the public meetings cravingly starving to death because they've not been feeding themselves in the private place. And I don't, I'm not just making a big deal of this. The prophets in the Old Testament, leaders, Jesus himself, you'll see in a minute, when he talked about prayer, he's talking about the private, private place. He's talking about the closet first. That's what he talks about. We're not anti-corporate prayer meetings. I'm, I'm the corporate prayer guy. We love to do that. But I just wonder tonight, and if you could dial in with me, how are you doing meeting with God alone? And I know that, again, God loves the corporate thing, but how are you doing What's coming against you in the midst of stealing that, and how are you experiencing it? I've been uh, talking with, I talked with a couple pastors this week, uh, Brad uh, from Heston and some other guys, and just met that are trying to lead prayer in their, in their churches. And I encouraged them that they really needed to develop a strong theology of prayer. Because if you develop a theology of prayer, that's hard to argue against. You know, if it's just Sam wants us to pray or some preacher's trying to get us to pray, I think you can argue against that. But I believe the Lord really wants to develop in us this process of praying and praying strong uh, to him. So let me do this really quick. I believe the Old and the New Testament speak of the secret place. It's sometimes translated shelters in Psalms 91.1, that we would abide in the shelter, in the secret place of the Lord. Um, The essence of the term seems to mean the private place of faith and fellowship with the invisible God. So it's, those are different dynamics that, I, that I'm saying or has multiple words in it. It's the private, not public, place of faith. It's operating obviously by faith. And it's a place of interaction and fellowship with the invisible God, that you're, you're there. You don't, at least here I see you, I see the screen, I'm seeing one another, and that's good. It's all good, it's, that's wonderful. But when you get in the private place, you are really interacting with the unseen. Samuel, David, Moses all valued this place in their faith journeys. It is a private place unseen by man, not public place seen by man. It's a faith interaction with the unseen and the invisible God. And so Jesus, when teaching about prayer, highlights the secret place as the preeminent place and contrasts it, if you will, uh, with the public uh, Uh, place that's going on. So go with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, it says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they've received the reward. But when you pray, he's talking to his disciples about prayer. When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, here's another thing, don't heap up a bunch of empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, and then we have the Lord's Prayer, which we emphasize so highly. The Lord's Prayer was given in the context of secret place prayer. It's all in plural, our Father in heaven. Actually, individuals are saying that in the private place. So he's saying when you pray, yeah, when you come together, we'll pray the Lord's Prayer. We did it at Cocorina. But we, the Lord actually is asking individuals to pray in this way, in in an inspired way. So there are two primary instructions from Jesus. Number one, pray to be seen by the Father, the Father alone. Two, trust not in many words or repetitive empty phrases but rather pray in simplicity as he taught. 
this was something that was going on with pagan religions. They were chanting and doing all these things. And, the, and Jesus is taking a sledgehammer to that and saying, don't do that thing. Obviously, we must recognize that public prayer is honored and practiced by the disciples in the book of Acts. They have public prayer meetings. And we got to acknowledge, number two, that the throne room in heaven, Revelations 4, shows a stunning amount of repetitiveness. They're repeating, holy, 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 day and night, over and over and over. So it's not trying to get us not to say some of the same words at the same time. He's actually going after our hearts. The point of the teachings of Jesus is not procedure, but rather the heart, if you can look at these two things. Number one, be careful to pray for the glory of God and not man, that you would be God-conscious when you have your prayer. Not even you conscious, but especially not people conscious. Jesus, the greatest prayer ever, is saying, if you want to go deep in prayer, I need you to begin to develop a consciousness that the Father God, Yahweh, is seeing you. Now, what's happening, what you're seeing among the Pharisees who are carrying prayer to Yahweh, is they're standing out on street corners for everybody to notice them. And it's a weird thing. I, I got, um, I noticed this when it happened to me. I get a ton of honor um, and um, kudos in the city because I pray and I try to lead people to prayer. That tells me something. It tells me that even a church that struggles with prayer values when somebody will try to lead us to prayer. And it's because we do honor this thing. Everybody knows in their spirit, prayer's an important thing. It's a really, really valuable thing. But I think that what we got to watch in the middle of all that is that we're not trying to get the honor. I've got to watch it with my heart. Oh, Sam, you're the prayer guy. That's kind of cool and a little bit dangerous because suddenly I'm getting kudos from men and applause that's actually an offer of poison to my heart. And I've got to battle with it. I really do a little bit because I, I like to pray. And people listen to me. Guys listen to me in the city that are way more qualified than I am because I'm actually doing prayer and leading the city to prayer. Does this make sense? And so I just wanted to say that's a battle for me. It may not be with you. You're not standing on a street corner saying, hey, look at me, I'm praying. But there are modern ways that this is happening. It happens in my life. It can happen with you in a prayer meeting. It can happen in a lot of places that we're thinking about who's seeing us as we raise our hands, that kind of stuff. And you know what that is. But I just want to press you in. Jesus says... You need to get away from the sight of man and get into the sight. The Father will see in the secret place. It's not like he didn't see you in the public place, but you'll be seen in that place. And this is of high value to the, to the Lord. And so I'm wondering how you're doing getting away into the secret place to be seen by the Father. Next, put no faith in a formula of prayer. Not even making the Lord's prayer like that but rather the Father who you pray. We're never to put our faith in formula. We're to pray, put our faith in Father. That's what it's about. That's what the Lord's prayer is about. It's about relationship. Jesus gives this stunning thing. Say Abba first. Say Father. So then Father, I move in. Now he gives us a prayer that I've said thousands of times, but it's not a formula to me when my heart's engaged, I'm filled with the Spirit, and I address him as Father. If I come and I just do the formula to get stuff done and to run through it like I did growing up in a little country Methodist church and we said the Lord's Prayer at the same time every time, it was sincere, but it became a formula. And we don't do formula. We're sons and daughters of the living God. We get to relate with the Father. And so he's saying this, look for the Father who sees you and speak to the Father. And so I want to just make this point is that the, the key to your private prayer 
is an increase of father consciousness. It's you being aware of his glory, his beauty, your access to come to him, breaking off the orphan spirit that gets on us so much that we have to stand far off. It's you learning to enjoy the Lord. So we prayed in that prayer meeting at the beginning, if you weren't here, we prayed for the secret place revival in the city. 100,000 believers is what I, it doesn't matter what it is, thousands and thousands of believers in Wichita. They are saved, they go to church, but the vast majority of them do not know the enjoyment of the secret place. Now, I could bang them over the head and go, come on, don't be, believers, have a quiet time. That, I've learned in 30 years, that never gets anybody down the road. It never does. The only thing that draws people into private devotion with Jesus is they learn to enjoy him. They actually touch his beauty, his delight. I pray because I like to. I like to. There's joy in the place of prayer. So we prayed for desire. This is the thing that Carl and I were talking about earlier this week is, Lord, awaken pleasure and desire for the closet, for the secret place. And so I think one of the main places to start is if you're struggling with your prayer life and you're going, I'm bored to death, I don't even want to do it. I'm bored and I'm busy. I think the first place to start is by telling the father, who already knows this, I'm bored and I'm busy. So this is obviously not a value to me. It's not a value because we do what we find pleasure in. We do what we value and so what we prayed for was not just people would know the law of have a quiet time. We're asking for a Holy Spirit miracle of a value to be placed in them. So I would ask tonight, how's your level of value of you getting alone with Yahweh in the secret place? That's a good estimate. I don't know how you want to evaluate that or what your language would be around it. But I really believe believers need to wrestle this out. And it's, you're never going to succeed doing it from law. I ought to. Sam told me I should. It's just not going to work. <laughs> the only thing that works is when your value goes from low, I ought to, it's an option, to I cannot not go meet with my God. And I'm telling you this, only the Holy Spirit can do that in your heart. I'm proclaiming it right now with a little bit of passion because I like it. <laughs> I don't have any power to make your human heart value this we need a touch of the holy spirit amen everybody so that's why we're praying we're praying because the devil has a vested interest in a whole bunch of public christians who never meet in private and what you'll do is we'll fall into the full we'll just we'll just head into cul-de-sacs of idolatry right in the middle of christianity you're like sam what in the world are you talking about i think people have fallen into the cul-de-sac of being doctrinally satisfied and they're missing the heart interaction with the Lord. I think some believers have fallen into the cul-de-sac of being gift, charismatic gift satisfied and they're missing the Lord. He's a person. He's beautiful. Does he have doctrine? Yes. Are there gifts? Yes. I'll tell you the biggest one we fall into is personality cults personality cult we just waiting for the person that stirs us up and makes us feel good and I get that at some level but it's inordinate how we follow men and women and now our access with podcast and everything is off the chart and I'm pro more teaching but I think that the greatest most dynamic teacher and anointed guy ought to be second in your heart to Jesus Christ 
and it's going to take a miracle. It's going to take a miracle. It's going to take a miracle for this to happen, and we need it. Now, I want you to imagine with me, can you imagine if 100,000 believers, just a random number, are all daily meeting with the Lord, fully satisfied, filled with the Spirit, with a fresh word every time they meet with him, coming out of that place, what would our city look like? What would our church services look like? What if this rabid dependence on the Moseses to go to the mountain and come back down and give us the practical four-point teaching of how to... And you see me being sarcastic and lifting my knees awkwardly. But there's something going on that we inordinately need the pastors. You should not need me. (laughs) We should... If you're fully satisfied, then I become a supplement help to your primary pursuit. Does that make sense? The ministries are too important. The branding and the... (laughs) I just think that the people that are really satisfied in Jesus are a little more ambivalent about allegiance to ministries. And I think it's a good thing. And so, uh, amen. So, I just want to encourage you (laughs) in the secret place to find pleasure in the Lord. And I'll just say this. I, I built a little Bible there for you. Um, Psalms 91.1. Read Psalms 91. The secret place is powerful. Read about David in Psalms 27. There's so much theology that makes you have to grapple with this. Okay? But we need a miracle and a work of the Holy Spirit. The theology is an anchor that you cannot argue against. But it's still got to be a heart issue. You can attend and be amazed, anyway, and not have your heart engaged. I did this last week, and I, and I fumbled over it, and I'm doing it again right now. But the, the challenge with calling people to prayer is that you're calling them to use their hearts. You're calling them to use their hearts, not just their heads, and I love their heads, but you're calling them to use their hearts. And I don't feel like I'm betraying that I said, be careful about feelings, aberrant ones, Walking by sight's what I mean, Brock. But don't you dare live a Christian life without your feelings being engaged. It's not normal. It's not normal to actually feel affection for Jesus. That's not normal. And so the secret place is where you kindle that. It's where you, you go into it. So there's initial attraction to Amy. I know. Throw up the yellow sign, Kim. Here I go. They've got, they've got all kinds of flags they throw when I go. I'm getting ready to be cross the line with the metaphor. But there's initial attraction to the redhead. But I'm telling you, that's nothing compared to 32 years of day-by-day walking with her. Learning and scaling the depths of what is Amy. Watching the responses and getting involved in the weaknesses and the strengths and the way she'll repent and the way she'll go. It's just, a, it's just an, it's an awesome thing. And so I just want to say that with Jesus. It looks awesome that he died on that cross and rose from the dead. You should be attracted to that. But he did that so you can be with him and begin an eternity of discovering the glory of who he is. And so I'll just lastly say, and I want Kenny to come up and testify about this in his life. This started for me, um, it started for me eight years into being born again. So I'm born again, I'm in love with my Bible, 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 
reading about him, reading about him, the Bible felt hot and supernatural. That's good. But it wasn't until I was 18 I learned to meet with him. I learned to sit in a chair, take the Bible revelation, and engage my heart and be still in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It was life transforming. And it's happened, been a progress that I'm still at 54 unpacking as he becomes my favorite one. And I got some great people in my life. And so I think we shouldn't trust anybody in a pulpit that's not first an expert in the secret place. That was a big statement. But I got the mic. I don't think we should send anyone anywhere to represent Jesus that doesn't really love him. <laughs> Lead anything. We're just looking for warm bodies sometimes because we got so many positions. I'm like, anyway, I think the chief qualification ought to be that you love him, that you're working with him, and nobody ought to feel condemnation in this room that you struggle with that. Of course you do. The devil hates your intimacy with Jesus, and so does your flesh. And so that's why it takes a miracle for it to happen in your life. And we want to pray for that in our life. So Kenny, my favorite son-in-law that happens to be here tonight, is going to share. Kenny likes to talk about the secret place a lot. And all what I know about Kenny is I know enough about his story that he used to not like the secret place. And so I want him to talk about that transition. All right. Um, yeah, I'll just I'll, I'll testify to just what... what yeah, life in uh, the secret place looked like. Because to what Sam was talking about is, is uh, it's true. It was it was the Lord's sovereignty to give me a scenario uh, that would that would help me. And so apart from that, I don't think I would have I would have known anything about secret place or, or anything like that. And so, anyway, so I uh, in Virginia come to faith, begin to be obedient to Christ, and I, so I join a, a a Baptist church at the time. And then you know in the Baptist church they don't mind saying spirit, but there's no I'm no I'm not being taught around it or anything like that. And so, but what I am doing is consuming the word. And I, the first thing I memorized was Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So I memorized the Sermon on the Mount and I memorized Psalm 15. Um, some things that just really ping my heart. But um, so I loved that I memorized the Sermon on the Mount and I would tell Jesus all the time, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like a lot of it was just foreign to me. And so the secret place uh, development for me wouldn't start until a few years after obeying Christ. And in the, in the, middle of that, the Lord asked me to give away some things and then sovereignly took away the rest that I would not give to him. And so I, I was in a season of just brokenness where all I really cared about anyways at that time was reading my Bible and worshiping and praying because that was the only place that I found peace. That's the only place where I found purpose and solace. It's the only place where I found uh, uh, life. And so again, this was a, I don't know, nine month season where I would say I was just discipled by the Holy Spirit. He was teaching me every day. I had no human teacher to teach me anything. I was traveling around, uh, fasting more days than, uh, than I was eating because uh, I, I just had that joy of like being in the secret place. And so, and that's my secret place testimony. Like I, no one was telling me to do it except for the Holy Spirit who gave such joy and life in it. Uh, I seemingly became very numb to everything of the world. I had nothing to talk about with anyone because I wasn't watching TV shows or baseball games. I had no business to run. I had no money to talk with anybody about. And so all I could talk about were, I could, all I could talk about was God. 
And so some people thought, I, that's kind of crazy. Don't you want to talk about something else? And I was like, I have really nothing else to talk to you about. And so um, I love what Sam said and that God knows how to get us in the secret place. God help us get in the secret place because we can't do it on our own. And, I, and, I, and I've evolved to where I thought I understood the secret place and this was a, a season of brokenness and contentment. And then years later, the Lord would give me a beautiful wife and give me kids and all my time seemingly starts disappearing where I used to spend that time in the secret place and I got really confused because I was like, what do I do? Like, I don't, I'm not in the secret place for hours like I was before. Uh, I'm not sure how to divide my time well. Um, what does it look like to escape uh, and be alone with my father? Because the joy was still there when I would escape and be with him. Um, but I found that off, like when I lost all that time, and I, when, I, when I say lost, I mean that my time was, uh, it's like Paul talks about, when you, when you get married, you're, you're, you can no longer be fully devoted to the Lord. You, you have desires for your wife and you have to, you're caring for your wife and your kids. Totally holy and pure things. I'm not, I'm not saying that they're, they're not. But they definitely, uh, at times, took the throne of my heart where I was more willing to spend time with them than I was to escape and be alone. And so recognizing that, well, I don't, there's no condemnation on it, but recognizing that it was a gift. And so uh, even just recently, I feel like the Lord has given me the, this awesome example of Daniel. I read through Daniel really slowly, but Daniel, I just, he's a secondhand man to the king, right? And I like meditate on it a while. It's like, that dude was probably busy. Like if you're secondhand to the king, you were probably incredibly busy. Yet he took three times a day, every day, to, to, to go and be away with the Lord. And so that was a, a, this is just probably within the last year, a huge development for me of like, I cannot let anything, even good things, wife, kids, take the throne of my heart to take my time away from, from, from Christ. First of all, without being with him in the sick place, there's no way I could lead my wife and there's no way I could discipline and, and, and guide my kids uh, to the Lord too. And so, uh, I say this because I'm, I'm, I'm still growing in the secret place. I had this wonderful time with the Holy Spirit, being discipled by him. And I thought, this is it, right? And then circumstances and situations change, but you, you realize like, yeah, this is still a, a becoming thing. I'm, be I'm becoming like Christ. It involves a wife and kids. It involves all of these things. Um, yeah, do you have any other questions or should I keep going about the secret place? That's my testimony about the secret place, by the way. So my desire talking. and my prayer is this, that we would not <laughs> uh, feel like we have to pull ourselves up by our, our, our own pants and, and figure this out. When Jesus resurrected, he gave us his Holy Spirit and he knows how to navigate all of these waters. And so I, I, I have this, you know, fluctuation after being discipled by the Holy Spirit and then getting really busy and this sort of thing. And in all of that, I feel like the Lord is just, he's continuing to teach me. What does this look like to be in the secret place? Because what it looks like for me, and I think a lot of us, especially in the culture that we live in, it is a willful choice. Yeah. It's no longer an emotion. I, the Lord told me this, I was sitting in my office. Am I the spirit of feeling? I said, no, Lord. <laughs> he said, am I the spirit of emotion? I said, no, Lord. He said, am I the spirit of truth? I said, yes, Lord. Mm. And like Sam said, feelings and emotions are there in the secret place. But he leads us into truth. 
And I, and I did live for a little while on the idea of like, these emotions are carrying me into the secret place. And now it's this willful, <clears throat> I'm denying. Somebody might say, would you like to watch a TV show? No. I don't want to watch it. And it's a willful desire to say, I haven't been with my father. I feel a little empty. I, I'm, I'm discerning uh, a void of being uh, loved on. And, and, I, and I want that. And so even what Sam is reading in, in Matthew 6, in the secret places where he sees us and he rewards us. And I would say this, oh, the joy of the believer who stops trying to love God and lets him love them. Because he's rewarding us in the secret place. Where else does he reward us? Mm. I'll give us Hebrews 11 too, but he says that those who come to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. No, those who diligently seek yeah, him, who give up stuff, who start pushing things aside, who start looking really awkward to the world because they're no longer involved in the world. They're living in the spirit. They're speaking in the spirit. They're praying in the spirit. And that's where they reside. And I would say this about Jesus' ministry, that his life was to uh, invite flesh to follow him, but they had to voluntarily say yes. But Jesus lived in the spirit with all authority. What demon didn't come out when he said go out? Mm. Because the secret place is a place where we discern things spiritually. It's something where we're growing in the spirit. It's not a fleshly thing. Me going to the secret place doesn't, it, it makes me look uh, not like the Pharisees who receive their reward. It actually, it actually separates me from the world mm. and makes me look more like a prophet or like Jesus and despise because I have nothing of the world to talk about. And so I, just, I see that in the prophet's life. I see it in Jesus's life that, that the authority that we walk in in the secret place is one of the spirit. It's a spiritual one. And it doesn't carry any fleshly uh, Wounds. It doesn't carry any sort of, uh, I don't even know how to say it. Fleshly payoff. Fleshly payoff. It doesn't, it doesn't even reward me in that way. But I can tell you, and we all know this too, by the time that we have spent alone with Christ in the secret place, to whatever degree that may be, I don't think there's probably one person here who can say that like, I would never do that again, or that wasn't worth it. It's like we grew in Christ. We, 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 we tasted something of him, as small or as big as it was. But I just... I think there were so many things that Jesus said about prayer that confused me through the, through the Gospels. About me having the keys to the kingdom of heaven and I, whatever I bind, I can loose on earth and loose in heaven and I can bind things. And I'm like, what is this? What, is this, what are you even talking about? And when you try to see those things by sight, they're confusing. When you try to see them according to the flesh, they're confusing. Yet when you realize that when I'm in the secret place and growing in the authority that Christ has given to me, I have that operation. Which is why, totally agree with Sam, when you set your mind to pray, the devil's going to do everything he can, even the good things, to keep you from that place. Has anybody experienced that? Anybody? You? you. Should I keep going? Sure. I've got, I've got a little a lab okay. I'm going to run us through. Yeah, but if you've got something to go. Nope. Just that. that there's, it's, it's demonic. It's not just you. Like there's a willful you that needs to jump into the secret place, but there's, there's a demonic force that wants to keep you from praying. Why? Because when you know the spiritual authority you can have, that you have in the secret place, you can start binding and loosing things. You never look for it by sight. You never see it by sight. And don't judge your prayers by your sight. That's good. 
because what you're operating in is in a spiritual authority. And most of the time, unconsciously, I mean, there's times when I, and I, I believe the Lord really showed me I'm, I'm, I'm warring against something. But most of the time in the secret place, I'm pretty unconscious to the fact that I'm, I'm operating in the works of Christ, which are to know my father mm. and to destroy the works of the devil, which he's still doing in and through his servants today. But it's a spiritual thing. And that's why I just, the, the secret place is, it's still evolving for me because I'm, I'm learning more and more and more about, okay, my willful des- desires now is to deny the things of the world that I might be with him more and more and more and more. Amen. So good, Kenny. Thank you. So there's a 30-something-year-old guy who's doing it. If you're going to work through this and really lean into it, you need to deal with the who, the when, the where, and the what. I mean, it's all just ethereal, big, if you don't deal with the practical who, when, where, and what of your secret place. So the who is the Holy Spirit. Jesus, John, sorry, in Luke 5, 16, it said he often withdrew to lonely places. I can promise you this. Everyone in your heart that has Christ in you, there's a compelling pull for you to go meet in the secret place. It's already there. You don't have to wait on it and work it up. It's already happening. The Holy Spirit is wooing you to come toward him. And then if you decide, that's the one I'm going to meet with. I'm going to meet. That's, that answers the who. I'm going to go meet with Jesus. And listen, there's, we've got to move from being a people that predominantly talk about him to a people who talk with him. Does everybody understand that? Massive amounts are right here talking about him. We should talk about him. He's worth talking about. But the talking about him is the gateway to talking to him. This is the active disciple. And it really makes your heart alive when you get into that place. So you got to deal with the who. I'm going to meet with Jesus. And Jesus is in me. Spirit's wooing me. The Father's available. I'm going to enter into the Trinitarian fellowship and love affair that's going on. That's glorious. So you got to set that. 